Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning, we have a very special guest, Dr. Harry Edwards. Thank you for being here, Dr. Edwards. Thank you. Good to see you, Harry. Good to see you. And it's we my got pleasure Curtis. and honor. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we got Curtis uh, joining us from Texas, from his Howdy. palatial estate there. With those books, I always have to mention the books, and Harry's got a bunch of books behind him. And uh, Harry, are you in Southern California? I'm in Southern California, yes. I could tell from your accent, because you have that kind of a <laughs> Southern accent. <laughs> Southern California like, accent. Southern California, boy. Oh, you know, I don't say hello over here, boy. You in the wrong part of, you in the wrong part of California, boy. <laughs> well, uh, you got a lot of books there, Harry. Have you read all those books? Uh, I at least know the table of contents from each of them. Uh, so. <laughs> That's the important thing. <laughs> you know, there's a lot uh, of uses of books. People don't realize. I mean, it's not just decoration. And it doesn't necessarily mean you've read every word. You can right, yeah. really benefit from a book <laughs> merely by having it round for you to look at. Uh, when to look something up absolutely and you don't have to worry if the text is changed from oh. the time you put it on the shelf to the time you've taken it off ah snap. and if the author oh, has changed snap. their minds too right that's right <laughs> oh, snap. no i, I do want to say something about books just being on the shelf uh no that's that's a keen insight there lucas because as you know i used to manage the uh, biola university bookstore and it was really one of my favorite things to do. Wait, was, that, that's um, why you were always in the bookstore when I was there? That's right. <laughs> I thought you thought that I would manage the bookstore because we always saw each other and it was always in the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know. Hopefully you like some of the books that were there because those were all my choosings. And uh, that was a fun thing. And, and, and the advantage I got, which later led to um, me being um, really thrilled about further education is the fact that I was curious about a lot of things. And so when the sales, the book sales people come along, they show me all of the uh, recent publications. And so that was such a good advantage because they tell me about it. I was part of my job. They tell me about each of the books. And then I would just kind of store it in my mind and go, yes, all right, if I need to know something about this and this and this, I, I can refer to that book. If a professor is asking about, you know, what's the latest on this, uh, then maybe I can uh, recommend something. But um, that was thoroughly uh, enriching. And, um, and then I'd order them and, uh, and they'd be on the, the bookshelf. And so during break times or during, you know, non-work hours, I, I can see all of the books on the shelf and I just grab them and just peruse job. them really briefly. So I, I would know at least what the author is, is trying to, you know, the case he's trying to make and trying to defend that, that was huge. So, yeah. Uh, wow, yeah so job. years, so years later, right. When I'm doing a dissertation, it was just fun. <laughs> it was just fun getting all of these books together. And I go, yep, I, I've got, I know where I'm going with this. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Running a bookstore has got to be about as good as being a librarian. Um, I, you know, I mean, it's very similar, you know, that, that's, I remember in, in undergrad learning about Hume, 
uh, being uh, kind of a laughing stock when he came out with his history of England. And he had a really hard time getting a job after that. And he became a librarian. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, well, how, what more, if you can't, if you can't teach or get a job, what more influential job could you have than being a librarian at your local library? I mean, it's, it's there you go. <laughs> Is that kind of like the trajectory of higher uh, learning? Right. Folks? Like, <laughs> there's always that it, that you can fall back. That's into. what a PhD will get you today. You know, librarian job. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Well, I that, that that's a tough uh, job in <laughs> Scotland, though. I mean, because uh, the Scottish libraries are freezing; <laughs> they're freezing <laughs> cold, and uh, the, the the heating systems back then. Well, I don't know. Maybe they had better because they they probably took more care to have a fireplace in in the library. But yeah, <clears throat> I'm not sure if they they probably have taken those out. But um, yeah, and the lighting too is, is not what it, yeah, it's not what it used to be. There's a lot of natural light, but uh, that people use, but candles, I mean, that's, that's a really hard <laughs> way to run a library. Can you imagine using candles? Cause it gets dark yeah. early that far North <laughs> and that's true. you're using candles, which is an inherent fire hazard. <laughs> and so yeah, next it, to it, it old sounds books. actually kind of <laughs> like books, a hard job to me. Fuel. <laughs> very very cold and thank god you're using candles you want the candles because it, it warms up it's almost the, as bad as running an oil refinery by by candlelight you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> well uh you know bookstores are not what they used to be though harry and i, I don't want you to i don't want to make anybody defensive or anything like that because i know you're not at the bookstore anymore but there was a specific time when I started going to the Biola bookstore that I did not have the joy like I used to. Mm -hmm. And it was because the selections were not there. It's like, where are the books? I can buy yeah. coffee mugs. I can buy a sweatshirt. Yeah. I can <laughs> buy. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even doubt it was like a footlocker and I could get like size 10 running shoes or something like I could get, uh, you know, a, to a used Toyota. I could, anything except for like a day gum book that i can hold in my hand uh, and, and i didn't know I where know. what happened with it so you said it was know, enriching a, though so yeah it was enriching for sure and uh well you based know, on what they were I, charging I, for the management textbook i i guess i i can see why it was enriching for you <laughs> for for the bookstore yeah. <laughs> it's just like 150 bucks but yeah i guess that didn't go to you right you didn't get no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> they went to my bosses. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, and then they leased it to uh, six years ago. So um, that was an interesting development. Leasing it to a uh, a non Biola entity, which oh. um, I mean, you can imagine just the incongruity. I mean, that is bizarre. Yeah, that is bizarre. That's hard. So I think just huh. in general, I'm How not much saying money it's did just, they sa it, save by doing that. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get into that one. It, well, it's but just are students just not buying times. books anymore? They're not yeah, buying books? Pretty much. They're just not buying books. People are just that not buying books anymore. so sad. Yeah. Harry, how, right do, you, now, how yeah. do you sleep at night knowing that that's I true? I know. <laughs> By God's grace. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, yeah. you founded, uh, you, I asked you earlier, if you knew who Sanjay Merchant was, we had him on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago. Mm. Do you know him? 
I know him. He's a good friend. So he and I uh, worked together at apologetics.com uh, 20 years ago. In fact, he was very instrumental at what I called uh, developing apologetics.com 2.0 on the website. So I think the story was, uh, he told me uh, more than 20 years ago when he was a theology student at Talbot and he was learning and studying theology, philosophy, and apologetics. And back then, the internet was sort of a novelty back then, you know, not, not as developed as it is now. And he goes, well, there's got to be an apologetics.com. Let, let, me, let me look it up, right? So sure enough, he stumbled on our site and he goes, oh my goodness, this is not a good witness for the world. <laughs> let me contact the, uh, whoever these guys are and, and offer my services. And so that's how, uh, that's how uh, things started between he and I and, and, and our friendships grew and, and he did all sorts of stuff for apologetics.com, including hosting radio shows and doing conferences with us. So that was really good. I know he's in Chicago right now, I think uh, teaching at, moody if i'm not yeah. mistaken right oh, yeah right. so yeah it's um he did, I, our, I'm he actually, did our episode yeah. on the trinity there you go spent That's, a couple uh, hours with him one of his expertise mm-hmm. yeah i was trying to get him yeah. to say that god is mother too but he just wouldn't go there so i'll just <laughs> summarize the episode it was two hours of me calling him a misogynistic pig basically <laughs> just different language wow. and just 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 berating him did god not have a daughter um so what exactly do you have against women uh just various uh, iterations of that yeah yeah you did talk about the weather i'm glad your viewers and listeners are gracious you know they can just edit that clip that you just said and <laughs> and say hey look at lucas a yeah, deconversion, a deconversionist. <laughs> Actually, it would probably be a lot of street cred for Sanjay. He held his ground. Yeah. So. Great, great, great. Yeah, he actually, it was a really good episode. He um, gave an argument for the Trinity, which I didn't expect him to do from philosophy. I, I, that was kind of a treat that he gave us. And hmm. we talked a little bit about the biblical support. Of, of course, you do need to have philosophy come in at some point. Do you have a background in philosophy? What's your academic background? Well, my uh, philosophy, the extent of my philosophy is just self-taught from reading apologetics and theology. Um, but I do love philosophical theology. Uh, I'm a perfect being advocate type guy. Wait, Anselm hold on. You and, are a perfect being. That's what I have. Per, uh, perfect being mean? advocate. <laughs> perfect being theology advocate. There oh, you go. Oh, <laughs> an advocate. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, yeah. I thought, yeah, so I I, I'm like, a fan. Whoa. And we booked you. Yeah. We had no idea you were a perfect being. <laughs> you didn't know that, huh? <laughs> so, you just gave us the title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just gave us the title well, for the episode. Th- th- perfect that, that to me, yeah. <laughs> the perfect being. There you go. <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I want to say that that kind of spurred me on to learning all I well, not learning all I can, but uh, that got me very interested in philosophy through, uh, I guess, Anselm's perfect being theology. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think one can go in all sorts of good directions when you start there, you know. So, so yeah, I lo- I love that. But 
I, I, I don't ask me about modal logic or whatever or uh, plumb can I, the can depths I ask of you about why I can't ask you about modal logic. <laughs> sure, because <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything. You see how deep I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, no, my goodness, it was Sanjay and I and the rest of the guys. Our idea of hanging out was talking about those kinds of things. Uh, in fact, one one time so you were uh, nerds, basically. We were nerds, yeah. One time we were trying to actually come up with a good cult or religion that would satisfy all of the objections, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we couldn't come up with one better than Christianity, so we failed. We failed. Just have Harry, to default to Christianity. Yeah, yeah. Harry, did you grow up around books and reading? Was that prized in your family? Uh, so. I grew up in the Philippines. Part of my life was spent there. Uh, I was blessed to have been raised by uh, loving, by a loving family, an extended loving family who was and continues to be involved in church. And uh, at the time, obviously, I didn't know that that was anything. That was just life. And um, by the grace of God, I never got into this rebellious stage. Um, I, I was questioning, though, uh, and, and, and I think my default understanding of my faith back then was almost naturalistic, which I think most evangelicals are right now. They, they, they don't know that. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's not like it was a struggle, but uh, for a while, even though I grew up in the church and I knew the Lord from the very beginning, it was more of a Pascalian thing, meaning... Um, fire insurance or, you know, the, it, the odds are better in, in believing that God exists. So, but I, I, it, the joy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, the adventure really wasn't there until many years later in college. And I was here already in the U S uh, when I got interested in apologetics. So apologetics really uh, buoyed my faith to uh, another level. And uh, yeah, I've been just turned on by God uh, since then. And you know, that was really cool. And, 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 and the story for me was, if there are people like me who grew up in the church and were you know, satisfied to a level with our faith, but all, all of the fullness and the joy and the excitement and all of that wasn't there, I figured there must be more of me out there who just needs um, something like apologetics to, to really uh, confirm the faith mm -hmm. uh, in a way, like, for instance, I know that I'm sitting on this chair and, and the faith I had this, it, the faith I have in this chair is, is even just part of me. It, you know, I don't think twice about whether or not I'm going to fall on this church. It's just, I rely on it. And uh, you know, when I think about it, I go, thank goodness. And this whole thing works, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so is our faith in the Lord kind of like that, where we uh, can count on him because it's just part of our life. We don't need to inspect it deeply. And if we do, we're amazed by how everything just works. Right. And that to me, that's taking a peek into God's glory while we're here on, on earth. Yeah. That's a great analogy. That's great. 
I love that you said, Harry, that you said, by the grace of God, I didn't become, I, I didn't have that rebelliousness. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember, I remember, and I'm sure you remember conversations. We've all had conversations with, with friends when we were younger, Some came to the faith later. Some grew up like yourself. Um, and, the, and it seemed like there was always a, almost, almost a jealousy sometimes of, of people who'd grown up in the church of not having that bad guy or bad girl story to have been, have been saved from, you know, the razzle dazzle testimony, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it always, it always baffled me because I, I came from that side and, and I was always jealous of guys like you that like, you know, why didn't I have, why didn't I have that kind of safety to grow up in? Why didn't I have, you know, what, what was that all about? And I, those are my conversations with God, but it was just that it, it's that total classic thing of graces or grass is always greener on the other side. You know, right. Right. Um, right. I'd, I'd choose your side of the lawn anytime. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Like I said, I, I took it for granted. Um, and it took me a while to realize, Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, when I graduated from Biola for my undergrad years, um, I struggled with picking a major and I, there were some external pressures to do this, do that. And then finally, I just raised my hands, hands up and I go, what am I really good at? I go, oh, church stuff. I go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, I, I switched right away when I go, all right, Christian ministries. Oh, my goodness. I mean, my my heart was just full and everything just made sense. It clicked. It was easy. And uh, I felt more equipped and I go, Oh, you know, well, I I wish I'd known this sooner, but uh, well, again, (laughs) part of, part of that was my independence. You know, I, I, I came here by myself uh, and, and and to me just getting here to the U S was an amazing accomplishment for me. And, uh, and that's a whole different story in and of itself, but um yeah. So anyways, uh, yeah. And, and, and that began my process. Now it'd be interesting to have a discussion about, was that really when I was saved or, <laughs> you know, that, that period of my life where, well, you know, again, interesting things to talk about, but again, you said we can talk about anything here. So I'm a Calvinist. All right. So no shame there. And so, uh, I, I did, uh, I, I do believe that uh, God. Did you uh, vote for Calvin in 2016? <laughs> that was determined, right? That was all determined, <laughs> brother. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so maybe you know uh, the, the realization of that came later. My my salvation came came later. That's that's when a lot of Christians will say that's when I got saved. But no, I think you were saved way before then. Hmm. Well, you part know, of never... the Philip. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, maybe it kind of maps on if you're going to ask part of the Philippines he's from. Um, I was going to ask, I've never heard your story about how you came over here. And I didn't know you did that on your own. That'd be, that'd be really interesting to hear. Yeah, so what yeah. part of the Philippines are you from and how did that, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, I think it, it could relate to our show. Uh, grew up in the big city, Manila. But when I was young. Uh, it's not just an envelope. <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> when did you, watch, uh, did you watch muhammad ali no no i'm not that old <laughs> oh okay, okay. <laughs> but in my formative years you know this is be, you know between five and eight i think 
my parents had brought me to the U.S. with the intent to live, right, to live here, move permanently. But because of business stuff, business uh, uh, commitments, we went back. But I, I, I was here twice, and I, I even attended kindergarten, first grade. I remember all of that. I remember Disneyland. I remember, I remember all of the first world uh, privileges and the sights, the sounds. When they took me back to the Philippines, a third world country or a, a developing nation, right? I noticed the stark difference. Mm -hmm. And in my immaturity, of course, I go, why, why did we move back here? What? I, I couldn't understand it. So yeah. you can imagine as a young boy, I'm just perplexed by the difference. Can you so give us a handle of, of some of those differences? Uh, can you list off a few things that we could so we can have a handle on what yeah what, sure sure yeah so, like some, some yeah, really jump. concrete tactile yeah, yeah. yeah sure sure like so middle class right middle class family back then um you know you had carpets you had four walls you had lighting you had heating air conditioning you had running water right you compare that to uh the in, philippines in the pi Oh, you mean no, here. no, no, no. Here, here, right, oh, okay. here, right, right. You're, and this is uh, the seventies, the eighties. Yeah, seventies in the seventies. All right, seventies. Okay. Uh, and then compare that to the Philippines, where a typical middle class person would have, you know, unfinished walls, unfinished flooring, electricity that is that you can't depend on, running water you can't depend on, uh, plumbing you can't depend on. Uh, you know, because of the heat and humidity, things are just, you know, they rot easily. Uh, so anyways, you compare those kinds of things, and then you compare the infrastructure, you compare the systems, uh, you know, the bureaucracy, all of that stuff. And I go, what, why, what's going on here? You know? Uh, so that perplexed me for, for years. And I think that became part of my formation, trying to understand why in the United States, why in America, you have things that work, things that make sense, things that are rational. And then you have something in a developing nation like the Philippines back then in the 70s, where, you know, things really don't work. Um, infrastructure wasn't really there. Um, and by the way, that's not that's not even a negative thing. I'm not saying anything. That's just you're just culture. I'm just you're describing. Just describing. You're not evaluating. Right, right. So at some point, I realized it's a difference in culture, in priorities, and what people value. Mm. And and guess what? I pick the United States. I go. I'm I'm going to the United States where I want to flourish. Uh, so it's as simple as that. It's a difference in priorities, different in in imaginations, um, and there's all sorts of reasons why that is. Uh, now, of course, we, you and I, the three of us here, believe that we're all created in God's image. So we have the potential to be full human beings the way God created us to be. But because of the fall, obviously, I think, uh, and, and what we do to each other, that, that's resulted in some evils in the world. So, so yeah, there, there's a, we can evaluate certain cultures and say, this culture is good at this, this, and this, and this culture is good at this and this. But guess what? Uh, here are some of the bad things of this culture, and here are some of the bad things from another culture. Now, 
each of those items, they actually do have uh, values attached to them. So if you have a culture that values life, uh, human dignity, they'll probably flourish better than a culture that cares less about those things. And so they, they do manifest in, in different ways. It'll, it'll come out. Uh, like, here's a good example, right? Pedestrians have the right of way here. Yeah. And we, that's a good, that is a good example. And we know why, right? Because human beings are valuable. They have the right of way, no matter what. We want to protect them. We are careful and you don't mess with human beings. That's important. In the Philippines or in other nations, pedestrians aren't a priority. Now, in their hearts and in their That's minds, right. yeah, they are a priority. That's good. <laughs> but somehow it doesn't manifest in their laws. And yeah, but see, that trickles down into other things. You, you see what I'm saying? Sure. So I think I can p- pin those specific examples to uh, how the rest of culture might uh, interact with other things too. So, yeah. So well, that, yeah, that's sort I mean, of my story. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the pedestrian, the pedestrian example is wonderful because, of course, there's human beings driving the cars, <laughs> but those people are more powerful. That's right. And so, our privilege or protection of people say you live in a privileged country. Well, it, our protection of private property and persons go hand in hand in a sense it's about vulnerability it's we protect those people that are vulnerable we don't do it consistently though like with abortion but there is a history and tradition you do have those blips about abortion but there's a history tradition that's grounded in uh fundamentally a christian worldview or something so close to it, uh, it's certainly compatible with it. And then you do have blips on the radar like Roe versus Wade, and you, you do have um, slavery <laughs> at the, yeah, at the yeah. beginning, not worth laughing about, but it's, it's so uh, absurd with the founding principles that it's, it produces a nervous laughter, mm. it produ- not, a, not a humorous laughter, but a an absurd reaction because it's so painful to think about how ridiculous that is and how horrid, horrid that was. But yeah. um, it's kind of like how a lot of Jews laugh at Hitler. Uh, that's like, seems like the most appropriate thing sometimes because it's so horrific. How do you, how do you deal yeah. with it? It's, it's overpowering. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good way of looking at it. Cause how, how else do you react to something like that? Yeah, yeah. that's right. You uh, found yourself at Biola University somehow. What's the story behind that? Yeah, no, that's a good one too. So, well, actually, you didn't even tell us how you got to America. So, you might want to start with that if you can. Oh is yeah, it, so is it legal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was I a legal alien back then? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it's funny, huh? Uh, legal alien, like they they seem so ironic together. Um, no, um, I mean. My last name is Edwards. That's not a Filipino name. So my great grandfather was from Benton, Pennsylvania, Caucasian. My father was um, uh, 
an American U.S. citizen. So coming here to the U.S. was no problem at all. Um, and uh, yeah, when I was 17, having done one year of college there in the Philippines, I just had it. I had had it. And, and like I, I mentioned, you know, uh, ever since I could remember that whole idea that um, human flourishing, of course, I didn't know the term human flourishing back then, but I go, the difference between the U.S. and the Philippines will be the difference where I can flourish as a human being, where uh, my curiosities would be satisfied. And, um, and yeah, and, and before I even knew all of the words and the language, I, I just felt like th there was safety here. There was, uh, you know, I could realize my potential. Uh, did you speak English growing up? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. Do you speak any Tagalog? I speak Tagalog. Yeah, I you understand. Do? Speak it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I can. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I consider myself right there in the middle in terms of culture. I think I totally yeah. understand American culture. I totally understand Filipino culture. I'm right there in that in the middle. Harry, yeah. did you always have this confidence? Because I'm thinking of you as a kid and you're from the big city. <clears throat> Do you think that helped you? Like, what if you were out there in the sticks? Because the PI is a big place. There's a lot of like out of in the out in the middle of nowhere places in the. Yeah, the boondocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you're in the in the big city, do you think that that helped give you the confidence to come to America? And... No, no. The confidence I gained okay. again, this is all, you know, by God's grace, obviously, the confidence I had was in my mind, it was a matter of life and death, to be honest, because I knew wow. the difference and I had a choice. Uh, I knew what it was like. See, again, it's sometimes we are held back by lack of imagination and, and many reasons for that. But I had that spark uh, in terms of having tasted the West. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I, I, wow. I go, I, I could... So, yeah, I was not a normal Filipino boy growing up because in the back of my mind, I knew something better, you know. You already because... saw outside the cave. That's right. <laughs> I, you got it beyond the shadows. Yeah. yeah. Was that because of your granddad, Edwards? The one that was No, no, no. Because, because my folks had taken me here okay. uh, twice. So my, my first everything. How long, my... were, how long were those trips? Yeah, probably a total of maybe two, three years. Uh, so a lot of my formative years, I want to say, were born here, began here, germinated here. Okay. Uh, so it, again, it, it's one of those, you know, when I look back, I go, that, that was kind of strange growing up, right? Because here are my friends and, and in my, it, it always plays in my mind. I go, I wonder if they know that there's another world out there. I wonder if they know that this could be done this way instead i wonder if they can imagine some of the joys and some of the experiences I've, I've had you know and so that was kind of an interesting time you know i i'm i'm sort of reflecting back on me and, and my friends uh, it's like i i have this person beside me literally evaluating yeah uh every time i'm dealing with people because i go yeah you know i hear you but no i mean but have you considered this have you considered 
that. And uh, so I always had this, maybe like you said, confidence, knowing that worst case scenario, there's this lifeboat type thing. I can always jump in there. And, and, and in a sense, I did. I kind of just at 17, I took off, stayed with, my, with relatives here. And, and uh, you know, uh, I had my- How'd you get the yeah. money for the ticket? <laughs> my folks, yeah. Oh, you t- did you steal it or did they they give it to you <laughs> with their blessing? <laughs> oh, with their blessing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, we were remember looking for that, that rebellion and we, yeah, that's we were it. There, that there was not that rebellious and, stage. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing. Yeah. There was nothing in that. No story. door slamming. Yeah, no, like, no door not door. even a door slam. Yeah. I was talking about like you know. Yeah. I just <laughs> I literally else. just told my parents that is it. I am done. I am going to wilt here. So if you want me to be, uh, you know, to experience my full potential, I need to not be here. I said, and I think that convinced them. Yeah. (laughs) How long did it take for you to darken the doors of the Bible Institute of Los Angeles? And, uh, Oh yeah. That, that story right there. So, uh, well, wait, wait, real quick. Yeah. Okay. When you came over, did you stay with your grandparents? No, no, I stayed with my uncles and aunts. here in Ca- or there in California. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so go yeah. ahead now. Now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, when he says really quick, he means he really means it. Like he said, he'll like after we're done recording, he'll say, "Harry didn't say that quick enough. <laughs> he did not listen to me. I tried to tell him. You can take your time now, Harry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine." <laughs> Uh, oh, how did I end up at Biola? Um, we want to hear about Grandpa Edwards too. Did okay. he play any role in your life at all? Oh, Besides well, not Grandpa, not Grandpa Edwards. No, they, my great grandfather. Oh, my great grandfather. Yeah, it was my great grandfather who ah. was from Benton, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Like, so you had the last yeah, yeah. name the whole time. That's right. I had that I had same the last last name. Name. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had the same last name. The whole okay. Time. By the way, uh, because of that last name, so uh, my second boy, of course, guess what I could not resist naming him as. Oh, Victoria? no <laughs> Boy, come on. I was thinking, you know, the monarch, the English monarch, you know, Edwardian, Victorian. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis, I think you could, you could have guessed, right? You could, you could, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, my second boy named after the great Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> and oh, he cool. was born almost 300 years to the day of, wow. the, of the great Jonathan Edwards. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. And of course, I, I look, you know, am, am I somehow related to him? That would have been cool. But no, I think there's no relation. <laughs> so he, he's got a lot of pressure. Poor guy. A lot of pressure on his... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on him my goodness that is such a nerdy thing right i know there. it is it's a nerdy thing <laughs> can't imagine what it's like being in the hospital waiting and you're like going through this rolodex of theological names <laughs> you're like saint anselm no 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 jonathan of course it doesn't, it doesn't work <laughs> they, they all they're all poured into jonathan edwards all of the traditional that's you know, right great theologians philosophy it's your theology fits everything that's right <laughs> oh my goodness he's probably gonna hate me for that poor guy <laughs> well that's what counseling's for that's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Harry, uh, you said you did a dissertation. What did you do your dissertation on? Ah, I knew you'd ask that. Uh, I, I need to get the title just right because I, I was proud of that title. Um, the dissertation title was, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking out right now. But anyways, it was on Gen Z. It was on Gen Z, specifically how to reach Gen Z. And my subtext, all right, let me see if I can, uh, all right, here's the title, Defending and Contextualizing the Gospel for Gen Z, A, and then the subtext, the subtitle was A Chastened Rationalistic Approach to Christian Apologetics. There you go. Wow. That's a mouthful. What does it mean? (laughs) (laughs) I know. So, so you have Gen Z. Uh, it's anyone born between 1996 and 2015. So that's, that's me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, they happen to be the largest generation uh, alive right now in the U S you're saying they weigh the most. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> These people uh, no, are really, really yeah. fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's about, uh, I think 60 million of them. If I'm not mistaken, a lot. And they're the largest, right? And um, scary. Significant, significant generation. And they're That's growing. Scary, up. dude. It's scary. Yeah. You're scaring me. Yeah. Well, here's the scariest part, all right, of, of that. Uh, according to Barna research, only 4%, so four out of 100 of them grow up with a biblical worldview. Wait, say that number again 4%. Four? Four percent. So when wow. I'm talking to young people, right, I We're tell screwed. them, I know I tell them, look to the left, look to the right, look at your buddies, you know, more than likely they don't know the story of Noah's Ark. More than likely they don't know Moses. They don't know uh, parting of the Red Sea. They don't know the disciples. They don't know, you know, so on and so forth. Right. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah, sure. So unlike, you know, like here, we're talking Thanks a lot, Harry. (laughs) Not going to be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, I think it's a crisis moment that we have. And uh, the traditional apologetics methods, while, you know, they're cool and everything, I I don't think they work with uh, the vast majority of them. Hence the chastened rationalistic part of the title a lot of the so you're saying like a lot of the presumption of what currently is done is that church that is is approaching that churched person um and now we're approaching an unchurched person and the the application needs to change agreed exactly the language has changed they don't know what truth is or truth is relativistic those kinds of things um why is it chastened though you said it's a chastened rationalistic uh because i sort of i sort of go shame on you rationalists you know shame on you you think that um if you convince them of a a truth that behavior ensues you know that behavior follows so that's that's pretty much our approach to education today uh you memorize things uh you spit it out in an exam or oral presentation or whatever. And then we expect behavior to follow. So when it comes to, you know, sermons or Sunday school lessons or whatever, 
You know, we say love God and love others. Great. You know, it's in the Bible. Now go and love others and love God, right? That's the truth. But does that happen? No, <laughs> it doesn't happen. Now, maybe, uh, you know, prior to the Enlightenment, uh, at least they would be scared and go, oh, my goodness, am I following God's will? Am I obeying God's will? I, I better because God's going to punish me. I, I don't want that. Um, or the pastor says so, or my parents says so, so I got to follow, you know. Um, that doesn't work today. Mm. What, um, de what degree did you get? What degrees a, do you have? Yeah, it was a demon, a doctor ministry. Oh, okay. A demon? <laughs> no, you're I'm saying the top by a ministry demon. degree is called a demon it's named know, after a demon and then it messed up right <laughs> i didn't think that went through very well no no i know huh? it's, it, a it, demon. Reminds, yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of the uh the zoo at moorpark college the zoo is a part of a an exotic training um, program it's the only zoo i think at a community college I, it's a place i worked my first teaching job for many years, Moorpark College, and they they abbreviated it, abbreviated it, exotic animal training and management, E A T M, Edom. <laughs> and their monkeys and their lions and their it's like uh, I don't know, Edom, Edom. They didn't think that through. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so doctor of ministry there you go awesome <laughs> i should stop saying demon right but <laughs> i love looking at people's reactions when i say that i go yeah you you probably don't know theology or you don't know any of this <laughs> did you have any seminary apologetics people on your committee or was well or, you know do you have, uh, well, how's that work do you have a committee i don't even know yeah. how the demon works yeah yeah it's it's everything like a phd except uh there's more emphasis in the practical side of things. So, yeah, there's a, you know, dissertation. I did a defense of it and everything, but there's always the practical component to it. So, which I appreciated. What was uh, that? What did that look like? What did you have to do for that? Well, like for instance, uh, part of, part of my dissertation was uh, sort of a pedagogical approach um, to, to doing that chase and rationalistic thing. Um, so yeah, the practical part is how do we teach from that framework? Um, now, do you, uh, talk to Gen Z people a lot and do you have a lot of practice doing apologetics with that age group? Not directly them, but I hope and wish through uh, um, the ministry that I'm involved with, apologetics.com, that we are encouraging, we're instructing and teaching and discipling those who are teaching Gen Z. So that's, that's my hope and prayer. So we do have a, a regular, a weekly radio show that is broadcast live here in Los Angeles. The... It's not exactly prime time because it's midnight, you know, Friday midnight uh, from midnight to one. But we always joke with each other and say we're prime time, driving time in, in China and in Hong Kong and Philippines. <laughs> you know, they, they can always tune in through the Internet. Right. 
But anyways, no, I mean, LA is huge. And so we do have some listeners that call in uh, and then that program gets put on our podcast and on our site. And um, yeah, a big part of what we do is cultural apologetics. That's what we do. Oh, really? Like what? Like, you know, we take things that are culturally relevant in the West, I guess. And we try to establish a bridge between those who um, are into it or are part of it or love it. And then we say, and we point them ultimately to God as the giver of good things, you know? Yeah. So that's on midnight to 1am. What day of the week again? Yeah. Friday midnight to 1am. Yeah. That's uh, KKLA 99.5. KKLA. FM. Yeah, yeah, KKLA. Yep, yep. Yeah, we've been doing that, Curtis, for uh wow, 20 22 years. So, I never so, realized that you did the radio show along with the the website. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing it for 22 years and Sanjay at one point had yeah. a you know, had a time hosting it. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he invited me on one time. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and I I didn't go on. It was so late. I couldn't believe how late it was. I was like, I don't know, man. And I, I think I had to drive somewhere back then. You had to drive yeah, 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 yeah. to get into the studio. I think it was in Los Angeles. Yeah, it was Glendale in Glendale. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know my way around back then. Now yeah. I do because I've been a professor, adjunct professors for 15 years in LA. So you've now I know exactly which alleys I can pee in and which, which don't have cameras. Um, you know so that was you one night when i saw you (laughs) well was it pico rivera (laughs) um oh my goodness that's cool that's that's where uh frank Crastori was on yeah for a long time yeah yeah yeah. apologetics.com apologetic.com yeah you have been doing that a while yeah even during the days when you saw me at the bookstore at Biola. Yeah. So that, so was it always on Friday nights? Yes. Still? Always Friday nights. Okay. So did you ever, when you were managing the bookstore, did you ever work on Saturdays? Uh, n- no, rare, rarely. Yeah. Rarely. Yeah. <laughs> rarely. Okay. Yeah. Cause you were always like, you know, you probably <laughs> looked like you were out partying the night, but everybody would get the wrong impression of Harry. <laughs> like okay why is partying, he so tired yeah on, yeah partying in the studio yeah, saturday sure. what's going on here he went out friday nights drinking yeah <laughs> you got uh did you now do you still drive into the radio area yeah, so, I, I do i do we're still oh, old-fashioned old that way yeah old school that way but it's not i don't do it every friday so we've got a team of mm-hmm. volunteers who ho- we take turns hosting it i do it once a month that's my thing. Like the last, I do it the last Friday of every month or the fourth Friday of every month is when I do it. What's the, um, uh, prep time for that for you? Mm. Like what's your process for putting together or doing that? Yeah. Show? So, uh, the last series, I want to call it a series. We, uh, tackle the book. Cool. So, uh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, so we would do a chapter a week, and then I have two other regular panelists, and we would read the chapter, and then we would just discuss the contents, put it in our own context, and and interact with the author, that type of stuff, and 
And then uh, if, we, if we feel like it, we would take calls. Now, we had to decide, you know, would it be more of an entertaining show uh, where... Yeah. You got to you know, you got to decide that right away. We, we got to decide that right away. Uh, so in the beginning, it was more, yeah, let's get callers. It's fun. But then in this last series, we decided to, to make it more in info, infotainment. There you go. Infotainment, <laughs> uh, information and keep it lighthearted. So we didn't take callers. And uh, so we, we try to get the hard stuff and make it palatable to the rest of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like what we're doing right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So do these books that you choose, they all have pictures, right? And <laughs> of you just course, hold, man. hold up the book. We, like, like this one, radio. right? Like, like this one, you know, that's beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's, I that's the last one we did before. right there. Yeah. Paul Gould. Uh, shout shout out to Paul Gould right there. Yeah, he I, knows. He wouldn't know me, but I I met him one time, yeah. or maybe two times. Um, so you tackle a book and you take the whole hour just like talking about a chapter or something, or yeah, yeah, we take a whole hour talking about a chapter. Um, so the way we divide it would be. Uh, like at the bottom of the hour or like a 1230 mark, that's when we have a break, but I can easily compartmentalize it into four different sections. You know, the first, fourth, the second, fourth, and then a break. And then the third, fourth, and then the uh, fourth, fourth. And uh, that's, that's an easy way to break it. How much Um, editing do you do for your podcast or do you slice and dice and, do all yeah. sorts of fancy footwork or what do you, do you just yeah, get it up there? You're just no, like, yeah, uh, just get it up there. Yeah. Just get it out there raw, whatever. Uh, unless there's some really weird stuff. Like for instance, <laughs> uh, you, sometimes when we take calls and here's the challenging thing, you can imagine at midnight in a big city, <laughs> we ask for callers. Yeah. 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 The kinds of calls you get in LA, right? Uh, <laughs> there's always the common theme of, what about Melchizedek, you know, <laughs> or what about the Nephilim, you know, right, right. the giants? Yeah. yeah. You always get those. There's a theme. We call it the Melchizedek calls, you know, um, and, and that's really bizarre, you know, and what about Bitcoin? <laughs> so it's like, wait, if, what, if there's a long about... part of that, we just cut it out. But uh, for the most part, 90% Wiccans. of the time, it's just beginning to end. There it is. Just put it up there. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's our approach. Just whatever, you know, here, whatever. So maybe if you can get 10% out of it, that's great. 5% out of it. That's great. It's just, it's just out there. Love it or leave it. Harry, I see some books I recommend. For example, I rec, I can see behind you. I think I see Doug Grotice's big, thick Christian apologetics. Oh yeah, of course. That's a staple. It's there somewhere. I, I don't have the recent one. Looks like you have, you're yep. us, using it as a mic stand right there, yep. right? I got the recent one. <laughs> Doug, yeah, I, Doug sent it to me. Yeah, I love it. I we love had it. him on the, we had him for our Easter Good Friday special. Yeah. So. Doug is a beast. My goodness. When it comes to yeah. writing. Wow. He was one of my professors at Denver Seminary. Ah, uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what kind of uh, help do you need, Harry? What would be helpful? Um uh, what, what do you need to get 
get further up down the road on your ministry? How could people help you and find you? Besides donating large sums of money. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do- donating? Is that what don- <laughs> Yeah. Donation? Well, donation. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. This church needs to get behind. Well, be, be prepared all of us to get a lot of Bitcoin because there's all these Bitcoin people that follow us. And oh, so if right. you don't know what to do with that, you know, you get a lot of thumb drives in the mail. So <laughs> just, you know, be, be ready. Don't throw it away. Got it. Okay? Got it. Okay. Don't think it's like some kind of weird stuff on <laughs> that virus or anything. Yeah. Hopefully not. I'll, I'll consult with you then if I ever get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could be like a million dollars. So there you go. Don't, I don't understand it myself, but no, seriously, prayer for sure. Prayer is the number one thing we need. Uh, For 22 years, I've always dreamed of doing this full time. I'm finally getting to the half time, but the pay isn't there. But I've committed uh, in the last few months to actually raise funds for. to, to do this uh, half time. And then the other half time, I'm the associate pastor here at La Habra Christian Church. So I'm, I'm also committed to expanding God's kingdom here in the La Habra Heights area. Um, so no matter what, I'm going to be committed to the church, no doubt. So that, that's a fun place to be at this point in my life where I get to do church stuff as well as apologetics things. And and, and many times they merge, right? Um, and so I've got a supportive lead pastor who um, our mission and vision revolves around the gifting of our leaders. So I love that. It's the gifting of our leaders that come first before we form a mission and vision. I like that. That's wise. Yeah. <laughs> You mean not working against people's? Uh... <laughs> I know, seriously. How does that work even, right? <laughs> What's the name of your church again? It's La Habra Christian Church. Okay. Um, yeah, so... You still, you, you still live in the same place, right? There yes. Is. Okay. La Mirada area, yeah. La Mirada, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you got a church in La Habra Heights, did you say? That's right. La Habra Heights, California. That's a nice area. It's a nice area. Yeah. Yes. For any of our, your listeners, if they're in the California area, Southern California area or within driving yeah. distance, hey, come check us out. Yeah. Is it in Los Angeles County? It actually is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like the southern most part of yeah. the county. Yeah. La Habra itself is in Orange County. I think so. Yeah. But La so Habra Heights. Kinda, it's a little is, odd that we... And it's not, it wouldn't be odd, except for there's such a difference between Orange County and LA County on, on so many things. Yes. Right. From concealed carry to whether you have to wear a mask and 24 hour fitness. <laughs> right. So yeah, well, um, you have, uh, uh, this apologetics.com that you're working on. What, what's involved with that, that, uh, you want to develop what, what, what's your vision for that? Yeah. So my vision for apologetics.com is for the site itself to be um, a clearinghouse, a sort of clearinghouse for anything apologetics, theology, and philosophy. So uh, the hope and prayer is that when people go there, they have the best of those three things, right? Mm. Uh, And and, uh, 
taken from a cultural perspective. So it's not so much rationalistic apologetics where, all right, here are the premises and here's the conclusion. <laughs> and, um, and there you go, you have belief in God, right? So that, that's nice. And other people, other experts, they do it really, really well. Uh, but sure. we're convinced that um, our target audience would be your typical church goer, church pew warmer, you know, where they're there, but they're not quite activated in God's kingdom type of a thing. And I, I have a sense kind of like me where it's a Pascalian and I love Pascal. This is not a dig on Pascal, but it's a fire insurance type of a thing but they don't know that the fullness of life uh, is there for, for anyone who, um, and, and my thinking is the reason why they're not getting into that fullness of life issue is, and see, this is where I could get tripped up pretty quickly. Cause I might say, Oh, cause they're not thinking the right things. Well, we, we know there's no thinking going on in the culture right now. So, uh, but if they have any kind of thinking, and then if they have right. what I'm calling the other part that's missing, the discipleship, like people to show them, this mm -hmm. is the fullness of life Jesus promises to you. That's what's missing. Um, then I believe we get activated into the kingdom. Uh, right. And we're, we're not just uh, bench warmers. Yeah. You know? um, in fact, right, right in the beginning of the show, I said... Um, and there are statistics. There are statistics today that show that the church is in decline. Yeah. And I think the main reason for that is because uh, because believers aren't exercising their spiritual gifts. It's plain and simple. Um, we're just we're just attending church, and we sort of clock in or check that mark, saying, "All right, I've done my duty." And God will love me better. And, 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 and I'm some cool. are not even doing that. Some are not even doing that. Yeah, exactly. And, and people fail to realize, again, going back to my story, that the West, the reason why the West is the way it is, is because of the biblical foundation it was built upon. And even our general, we're far removed from the founding fathers, but uh, we're still living as someone said, on their coin, so to speak, you know, we're still, right. um, we're still uh, riding their coattails. That's right. Yeah. We're experiencing all of the benefits, which is amazing, which is amazing. Even though we have sort of turned our backs from that, it's still the best country in the world. You know, it's just <laughs> amazing. Uh, so can you imagine if we just go back to any of those kinds of things, you know, where we value life, no matter where it is, and no matter what stage it's in, right? How much, because a lot of that, a lot of the evil follows from that, obviously, you know, that just, just the value, what is life to begin with, right? Um, but if and, we, and Harry, let me, let me just yeah. describe what you look like to people who are just listening on the podcast. Are we live? You're, you're saying that, that you're saying this. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're saying yeah. this about yeah, the yeah. founding fathers and about yeah. how great America is. Yeah. You have dark skin. You have jet black hair. I don't know how it's still black. How do you do that? You don't have any gray hair. What the heck? <laughs> and, you know, you have uh, 
you're actually very youthful looking, but you're, you have dark skin. You're from the Philippines yeah. and you're talking like a red blooded American. I mean, yeah. you got yeah. all these people that are just in yeah. on, when I just, when Trump was elected, uh, I was on the college campuses. I was on Cal state Northridge, for example, in Los Angeles. Uh, there are people blocking traffic on the way to work. And these are, Democrats blocking other Democrats from getting to work. I mean, they were just losing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a, how do you handle stuff like that? How did you feel about Trump and, um, all yeah, that? sure. Uh, let me back up and also say, I, I am really sad about how your typical American Caucasian white person does not know how good they have it here. And I mentioned earlier wow. that uh, I feel like I am right there in the middle. I know American culture. I know Filipino culture mm -hmm. right there in the middle. And yeah, I'm yeah. looking, I'm observing both. And I, I can tell you for a fact <laughs> what culture has values that are to be admired more than the other. No doubt about that. There's a difference. Uh, there, we're not all the same in terms of our values. We're all the same in, in our ontology, right? The fact that we're creating God's image. But anyways, uh, in, in that project, I actually have um, one, of, one of my good friends who does apologetics.com with me. His name is Jacob Daniel. He's Indian. He, uh, he's an Indian guy who has his PhD as well. And he also uh, bemoans the fact that uh, America is in decline. You know, the American values are definitely in decline. He's seen it. Uh, I've seen it. And so we're, in some ways, we're working to uh, awaken, uh, starting with the church, uh, because the, the church thrives because of a lot of the uh, American founding principles. Uh, and, and they were, yeah, they weren't all Christians, but my goodness, they were all theists, you know. Uh, yeah. And a lot of them were God-fearing Christians, no doubt about that. And, and I'm not ashamed to say that, um, for lack of a better term, and to be maybe simplistic or careless even, that America is a Christian nation. Uh, it's not a Muslim nation. It's not a Buddhist nation. <laughs> so it is a Christian nation. So you, you asked me about Trump. Uh, when in the primaries, I, I did not vote for him at all. He was like the last of you know, my pick. Who was who your guy in the primaries? In the primaries. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> who was, oh, Elizabeth oh. Warren. Uh, one of those guys. <laughs> I, I forget now. Was it, uh, was it the guy from, did he run back then? Uh, the guy from Florida? Uh, Marco? Little Marco? Well, maybe. Well, no. It was, it, DeSantis Mar was Marco an Rubo? Rubio? Uh, he could have been one Cruz? of those guys. Anyway, one of those guys, I think. I forget now. But okay. oh well, no. Apparently well, it wasn't very memorable. <laughs> I it wasn't very memorable. Right. Nobody remembers the Swoosh. guy anymore. That's why he didn't. <laughs> but um when it was and this is a principle that you know I I debate with my really smart friends are way smarter than me, and they don't get it. But when it became literally a choice between the lesser of two evils. It was Trump easily. Yeah. Why yeah. do you think that you get that so quickly and the so-called smart people have a, such a hard time with that? Yeah. Uh, 
the best way to describe it is just <laughs> sin. I'm sorry. That's just what it is. <laughs> it's sin. It clouds people's judgment. Do you think it's pride? All of those. Yeah. Sin. Yeah. I, I think that might, that might be insightful because. Uh... But I, I, and, and the whole principle of the problem of evil, I, I tested it out with some really, really smart people, too. Uh, and they said, yeah, easily. Uh, of course, like, that's what they're saying about you, Harry. They're saying <laughs> you are going with that dirt bag. You have sin. This is sinful on your part. Yeah, of course. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Racist, womanizing. Yeah. <laughs> white supremacist, dark skinned guy yeah. from the Philippines who likes America's founding. Yeah, Did you have right. slaves growing up, Harry? You probably had slaves. <laughs> yeah, probably. You're, you're an Uncle Tom. Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Jump and yeah. Skip away from that to saying that men are women. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it's just it is ridiculous. Yeah. I know. You I know, it, it's saying. so bad. It, it literally it's so bad, guys, that I imagine how you know, if I were a Hollywood producer, it'd be nice to see 200 years from now who would carry on the American tradition. Would it be better? Would it, how would it be reformed, you know, and would it actually pass from this land? You know, yeah. I, yeah. but, but to be honest, I, what they did was pretty amazing. It's hard to compete with that unless Christ is sitting on his throne and he is right. But uh, until that day comes, I think we've got a really, really good system right now. We really do. Yeah. Uh, and the founding fathers, again, by God's grace. You, you mean you're uh, saying you like Biden? That's what you're saying. <laughs> you like masks? Currently. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, of course. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, oh. you said you, we have a good system right now, so there's somebody oh. maybe that's yeah, yeah. future. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Somebody's yeah. listening, and they're like, "That Wait, system just put you? Biden in office." Who is this guy again? <laughs> he said he just voted for. He said he voted for Trump, but now he's saying we have a good system right now. <laughs> just, just well, for a point of clarity, what well, we we do that? have a good system, but every once in a while there's glitches in the system. Right? We got to follow the system. It's like I you don't throw away your computer just flaw, because yeah. your OS messes up every once in a while, right? It, yeah. Um, when you say we have a good system, though, I think you mean something specific by that. Did yeah, you have sure. Like the separation of powers. Uh, uh, that's constantly the, under attack right uh yeah. the uh obviously our constitution uh that's constantly under attack yeah the bill of rights my goodness right? again all right yeah <laughs> but it's it's been uh it's been going strong for how many years so far yeah it's it's, it's i think you're of, saying yeah compared yeah. to other places where it's far worse uh we we have a pretty that's right. what, what would you say compared to Europe, though? Is it better better compared to Europe? Some people look at England yeah. and they say, oh, I don't know, that looks like a pretty nice place. They don't have separation. Right, right, right. right. Um, no, I don't, Parliament no. picks, the, picks the prime minister there. Right, right. Exactly. So you don't have necessarily the people picking their premier, right? So I don't know much about, about that, but I know... Uh, we came out um, reforming all of those things. And uh, I think the whole separation of powers uh, where you have the, you know, legislative, the executive and uh, the judicial uh, each kind of like their own thing, checking each other. That is, that's huge. And you know, what's interesting too, again, because uh, culture right now is 
um, just not, you know, with our educational system and, and maybe the lack of assimilation, we're not understanding the fact that the president is not the king. <laughs> and yet many assume and behave and act like he is the king. So, or the county health officer. All right. All of those kinds of things. And uh, again, coming from my background, where the president almost acts like a king. So you can imagine other cultures where they're immigrating uh, from uh, come here and they don't participate in the um, American way because, again, assimilation is bad, right? Yeah. So you can imagine multiply that by many voters and uh, we just go along with whatever anyone says, whoever is in charge, we go, oh, well, that must be the rule of law. I can't yeah. question it. And there you go, you know. So that, that whole uh, f- freedom of speech and freedom of inquiry, all of those are being eroded right now. And, and that it's is Because terrible. people aren't jealous. The average person, first of all, doesn't understand how valuable it is, like what you're saying. Right. And they don't understand uh, what the alternative is that's worse. Yes. Which those two things to go together, they... There's just a, a lack of curiosity about that too. And it, this, right. the assumption is that it's pretty, you know, they're okay. They're comfortable uh, for the most part, I think. Um, and distracted. It might be that they're distracted. And comfortable. Yeah. Those are definitely factors for sure. I think social media has a lot to do with it uh, yeah. because like, for example, there's a guy named Cal Newport that wrote this book called Deep Work. And uh, the, the idea about deep work is that people used to be bored. They used to get bored. And that was just a common thing. People got bored. And yeah. what you do when you get bored is you start trying to solve problems. You start becoming aware of problems. You tr- start trying to do hard things to solve them. But like, for example, social media, it takes up the boredom. So people are not bored anymore in the same way they used to be. And so they don't get into the problem solving mode. They never get there. They never get to that part Mm -hmm. because all of their space is taken up by mindless, useless activity that just keeps them, keeps whatever that part of the brain is activated and they never slump into a boredom they never do deep work and so uh i think you have a whole generation that never doesn't know what it means to do deep work and and he says checking your email every 15 minutes while you're writing a paper that doesn't count as as deep work deep work is defined as a sustained concentration for 60 to 90 minutes with no distractions. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't see people doing that. I know in my teaching, people are constantly checking their phones. Even when I'm railing against it, they, they love taking notes on their computer. I think it's because I don't think they like typing. I think that they want to have the, the distractions because it's so uncomfortable for them to think about something for 60 minutes. No, no, that's right. In fact, I heard uh, some influential guy, he would always punctuate a lot of what he says by saying, if we only stood still for five minutes to think about X, Y, Z, you know, we would 
come to the right conclusion, which tells me, like I said, most people don't do any kind of thinking. Um, which have is, you ever which seen? Have you ever seen the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High? It's about the eighties in Los Angeles. That? No, yeah. sorry, no. I Harry not. hasn't seen oh, it. Harry. <laughs> I'll put that on my list to watch then. Fast, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Uh, okay. I think there is a scene in there. Be careful with young children. Okay. Okay. I just want to say that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah there is a scene. I think I can't remember, but but the scenes I have in mind are in the classroom. Okay. okay. These kids are goofing off. Kids goof off. I mean, they're passing notes. They're, they're, they're doing stuff with their bubble gum. They're, they're zoning out. They're spacing out. Kids get bored easily. Humans get bored easily. Now imagine that disposition, except with social media to fill that space. It's like, it does something to your, your soul, your mind yeah. where, those kids at least had a chance to do some deep work because they got the boredom and sometimes the material was interesting enough where it was better than just being bored. Right. And then they, you just had to deal with it and you, and you did, you did, you did deep work, but now you never get to that point because every time you, uh, you get to that point where it's uncomfortable, you pick up Instagram, you, you start looking through stories, you pick up Twitter, you pick up, um, uh the new york times oh i mean sorry uh you pick up uh facebook yeah yeah you pick up yeah i used to we i i used to flip through calvin and Hobbes, like mm -hmm. a book mm -hmm. but that that's that's not the same thing because it's one thing it's a book and you know then you move on to something else you look at the bird but but this other kind of thing is designed to there's an algorithm that's designed specifically to capture your attention for as long as possible for no reason other than just to have your attention. Yeah. And it's pretty scary. Yeah. You mentioned that book, Cal Newport, right? I think what got him to write about that was if I'm not mistaken, he decided to do an experiment where he just left all electronic devices for a month, I think. And, see what would happen to his soul or, or something and then challenge i believe some of his friends and uh of course they they saw That's the right. uh the enriching result of that and um but no you're absolutely right uh and social he teaches media community he teaches computer science he yes, teaches computers right. and right. he doesn't have social media that's right because he yeah. knows better that's and right. he said that when he did the work uh, for the book uh, who's doing such good deep work, his output per, it went up like double Yeah, yeah. in other Absolutely. areas, not just Absolutely. the book, but other areas. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah, it, it, it is fascinating. It, it's not that we are curmudgeon about technology, right? It's not that. It's just how do we balance these kinds of things? Like a good, a good author or book, right? You, you might know the name, uh, Hummel. He wrote a book, uh, The Tyranny of the Urgent. Mm. I think that's another good that's book. That's a great where, title. Yeah, he um, must read. So again, he, he looks at the things that are... Say the name again. Tyranny of the Urgent by Hummel. It's a classic book, um, short one too. But he makes a distinction between important things versus urgent things. And many times... We think wow. what's urgent is important, and then we are governed 
by the urgent, you know, here, there, and whatever. So, you know, I remember, um, and, and I guess you need to have some kind of maturity uh, on this in, in this media saturated world we're in, where you got a notification for, for this here, a ping here, or whatever. Uh, number one, turn off those things. Uh, number two, yeah, you don't have to check your email every 15 minutes. Uh, you don't you don't even have to answer the phone if you don't have to. So there are those kinds of things where we can manage. And uh, like I said, it may take a certain maturity. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe a certain stage in life, but I would encourage everyone to distinguish between what's urgent and what's important uh, and focus on the important and, and not, not the, the, the urgent, you know, uh, that, that'll come up. But again, a, a lot of times we confuse the two. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Harry, do, can you see what I'm sharing? on? The yeah. I, I see our site that you're sharing there. Sure. Um, it's pretty professionally done like your, yeah, your it looks great. Uh, logo. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, how'd you come up with the tree logo? Yeah. So that's uh, our second iteration of our logo. Uh, the tree logo. Um, I came up with that because I feel like we want to be. So again, in the project of apologetics, there's many uh, analogies I can draw from a tree. One, one is it provides a shade, a home, for other seekers and believers, I guess. And uh, a, a tree kind of has this image of growing and being steady and strong. And um, if you have deep roots, you know, uh, again, you, we want to be rooted in the gospel. We want to be rooted in truth, good, and beauty. So the, the tree speaks to that. Our logo before was a little bit more... <laughs> actually more uh, abstract, where I tried to capture in graphic form, maybe the Trinity, which is, I would say, the highest form of, of knowing, you know, meaning if, if, one, if one spends all their time trying to understand the Trinity, that's, that's one of the <laughs> highest forms of yeah, learning no yeah, you can attain. And, and out of the knowledge of the Trinity comes a lot of other things that the study of the Trinity has uh, spurned, you know, ha has encouraged. And um, so all of those kinds of things. But I figured, you know, the, the thing is with the first logo, people always thought we were, um, that I was trying to capture the, uh, some molecule because it looked like that. So I go, ah, that's not very helpful. Then if people go, oh, you're a science-based something or whatever. So yeah. I go, the, the tree makes sense more it's gotcha people can relate to the tree gotcha what's your uh, connection with tim mcgrew how'd you meet him yeah yeah uh, so some of those like if you go to tim mcgrew uh doug grutice mm -hmm. it's grutice right that's how you pronounce it uh grotice grotice yeah. Yeah. yeah uh tim mcgrew and doug grutice they were uh, recruited by kurt jaros who used to be part of our team and he's no longer part of our team and i think those guys are fine to have their you know images there and and i think we we would uh elicit or we would uh try to get uh articles from them every once in a while they're i call them the throwaway articles that 
they don't want, we'll take them. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> yeah. I, I know Dr. Uh, Groteis is uh, dedicated to the project of apologetics. Yes. And, yes, he is. Um, uh, he's mentioned that on his Facebook. So he's a true believer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can, if I want to, and if we have time, we, we could just, you know, do a show featuring his books, his ideas and mm -hmm. writings, whatever. Yeah. And um, you, uh, you, how do you get uh, money? Is it, is it ads? Are these, uh, are, are there people um, putting ads on or what's the, yeah. What's the uh, business model, I guess I'd say, for lack of a better term? Is it sure. a, a for-profit? Is it a non-profit? We are a 501c3, so non-profit. Um, so I'm we sure get got a certificate our, program, too. Yeah, that's, that's, I did that within the last uh, few months. So that's, that's new. That's new. And, um, but anyways, yeah, back to the 501c3. We've been 501c3 for... Hold on, what's your login really quick? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been 501c3 from the beginning. So that's a nonprofit okay. organization. So all donations are tax deductible. What's it take to get that? Do you have to have a board in place? And Yeah, ha having a board, having a mission vision, having a budget and uh, doing all the paperwork. Um, so uh, I don't know if uh, Curtis, I think in our, one of our dealings or one of our you know, when we talked before, mm -hmm. I think I did mention that uh, apologetics.com, the organization and the website came out of a, uh, a project when I was doing the MA in Christian apologetics at Talbot. Mm. So instead of writing a paper, I told Craig Hayes and, Hey, can I, can I form an organization that yeah. that's going to be my project? So um, he goes, Oh my goodness, just registering apologetics.com you, you get an a already you know <laughs> wow. so so that was good it's something that'll live on after i'm i'm done i'm gone whatever yeah, yeah. how do you uh, pass that on to uh, somebody else do you just yeah no that's a good uh, so that's another prayer item um i'm at the point where i want to disciple the next person who will lead it hmm. so i'm looking for a young person who'd okay. like to to lead it uh, there's a young person out there it's a young uh, look at that long young whippersnapper uh, <laughs> i gotta change that photo my goodness <laughs> that's the way i remember you harry yeah there you go <laughs> minerva wow your wife's name is that's a very famous owl wisdom kind of a yeah i know, yeah, I know. that's awesome it's kind of cool <laughs> well it's been great having you on harry thanks for taking hey, the time uh, uh, from your day to hang out with us and talk yeah. about talk shop with us anytime really this is fun and i'm glad we have common friends like the like julie sardinia i forgot to mention right you oh, know yeah. the sardinias yeah yeah they're, they're very good i know friends. julie i don't know her husband i knew yeah, her when she was julie brown ah got it yeah julie brown she's a sharp woman right there yeah I love she it. is she is i love we love talking about heavy duty stuff and yeah so so is the the husband david they're both biola folks so yeah lots yeah. of biola people with this apologetic stuff you're in the right area i guess huh yeah that's right that's right taking it to the next level that's right taking it to the next level guys and uh, i appreciate what you guys are doing so again been an honor and joy
Let for me sure. let me pray for you right now. Yeah, thank Lord, you. Lord, we ask that you would have your hand on Harry and his ministry here, that you'd guide it and direct it, that you'd bring him to a place of perfect peace, that you would provide the, the needs, uh, the provision for every need, and even some wants, Lord. We ask for wisdom for Harry and his team, and for this next person to take the reins from Harry and take it into the next generation. And we ask for Harry's work on Gen Z, that you would carry that somehow, some way to make the world better. It's your world. We know that you love it. Please equip us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Curtis Lucas, been an honor and pleasure, guys. Likewise. Yeah.